Is God at work when we can't see him? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of the Gospel Project, and with me once again filling in for Brian Dembozik is Sam O'Neill, our content editor for our Younger Kids material. Sam, welcome back. I'll never tell you where I've hit him. Okay, that's good. I'm sure <laughs> he'll good tell to be me back. later. I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Sam, today we are jumping into a somewhat familiar book of the Bible to many readers, um, which is the Book of Esther, um, or at least for kids of the '90s, um, early '90s, is probably really familiar from Veggie Tales. Yep. Yeah, um, I wasn't a uh, a child, and then I wasn't a child child in the '90s. I was a teenager <laughs> in the '90s. Um, you missed out on a lot of weird Christian subculture. I also wasn't a Christian in the '90s, so <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't. So, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so um, so that familiarity with Esther from from Veggie Tales or kid stories, things like this, that can probably have some uh, some coloring toward uh, toward how we view this book. Um, regular trips through the scriptures are going to create a sense of familiarity. Um, but as always, um, one thing that we need to remember is that familiar books of the Bible always have something to teach us because God is always at work through through his word, which yeah. it is which is said to be living and active. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna kick this off by um, by the way that we always do on this show, which is uh, describing where this book falls into the Bible's narrative. Yeah, there's some debate about when exactly it was written, but the context of it seems to be, sort of broadly speaking, a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah, the the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Right. So um, we're at that late exile, post mid mid post exile yeah, period. Yeah, the Jewish people still exist. Some live in Babylon. Others seem to have returned to the promised land. Yep. Um, they're definitely scattered to yeah. some extent. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really clear in the text itself is that there are people who live all over this kingdom um, mm-hmm. who are who are part of the Jewish people um, yes. or the Hebrew people. And um, and that really does matter. Yes. Um, so it because it affects how we read this. So it's not an isolated group that mm-hmm. um, the events of this this story, which with this threat of death to to the entire people group, um, would have far-reaching effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now one of the things that's kind of interesting about this about this book is actually something about Esther herself, and this is actually something that I only I only just picked up on actually. Pretty recently, um, as we were getting ready to record this episode, in fact, yeah, um, and it's something that I've just I've read past multiple sure. times, which is in um, Esther chapter three verse five. Um, it has a little note about uh, Mordecai, her her cousin, um, who is her um, who is uh, also her adopted father. Right, they're both said to be a descendant of. Um, a long distance de- descendant of a man named Kish, mm-hmm. who was a Benjamite, who was um, also the father of Israel's first king, mm-hmm. Saul. Yeah, I actually did not 
notice that either until uh, until preparing for this podcast. But yeah. that is very, very yeah. It's just it's just an interesting thing that it's mm-hmm. like after like five hundred years after Saul's reign, um, ish five hundred ish years, yeah. um, that one of his one of his um, basically one of his long distance cousins. <laughs> um, has this opportunity to play a role in the story of of God's people and this this story of redemption that God is telling and has yeah. been telling all throughout Scripture and all throughout history. That is that's just a really it's just a really cool element that mm-hmm. uh, that that God saw fit to inspire that little detail mm-hmm. to be added in. Yeah, that um, a descent that a, a long distance relative of um, the failed first king yeah. um, would play a key role in um, in rescuing God's people. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I so, agree. So, um, when we think about this book, um, there's a lot. To, there's a lot that could be said about about this book, um, but uh, there are at least a couple of questions that are worth asking about it, aren't there? Yeah, I think one of the first ones, perhaps not the most important, but I do think it's important. Um, we need to ask, was there an element of exploitation in Esther being chosen to be queen? Uh, I think it's important to ask that because especially in the kids ministry space, there is a tendency to conflate what Esther's experience of being chosen for queen. We conflate that with like a beauty pageant, like right. oh, she won this contest because she was so beautiful. Right. And um, and I mean that's you know I I joked about Veggie Tales mm-hmm. um, earlier, but I mean my my kids have watched that one, and and I mean that's basically the gist of it. It's right. like it's basically the Miss America pageant, right? Right. Um, and but this wasn't that. Even though the scriptures are not totally clear um, on the issue, it's it's likely that Esther's experience was exploitative, at least in some degree. Yeah, yeah. it's it's important that we don't make that conflation because it's possible that Esther's experience was more one of a survivor of some kind of abuse and not of like a contest winner. Right. Right. Um, and again, the scriptures aren't entirely clear on that, so it's something to hold loosely. But it's, I think, the important idea here is that. We should not assume that this was an entirely happy circumstance. That right. there wasn't that it wasn't um, that there wasn't the risk of danger or harm to right. Esther or any of the women who were part of this this because choosing process. I I would probably humbly submit that even if it was completely like non-exploitative and there was no sense in which there was any kind of like. I don't know, bad stuff going on, you're still running the risk of saying Esther was valuable because she was beautiful. Yes. And it's like, we, we don't want to ever communicate that to any of our kids. Right. And I think that's a bigger, that's a bigger issue in and of itself Mm -hmm. is, is there is a, um, there is definitely a risk of a utilitarian argument. And I mean, Mm -hmm. we see this in a lot of different spheres. Um, it's actually one, like you think about the, um, you know, within the within the the broad pro life movement, uh, one of the most common arguments against against uh, abortion and euthanasia, and particularly abortion, is this idea of utilitarianism. So that um, well, this child could be the next X, Y, or Z. Right. Um, so it's ascribing worth to a child only in their potential for what they could do. Right. 
or what they might be or what they might accomplish as opposed Which to is the contrary to the gospel. Exactly. It's the intrinsic worth of the human being. And so I think that's a fair point to 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 mention is is that um we don't want people especially in kids ministry to um to see beauty equals good. Um right. like external beauty equals right. good or better. Right, right. Um, or value versus non-value. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I think another important, really important question for us to ask um, is where is God in this book? And I mean, this is this is kind of that question that we were asking at the beginning of beginning of the episode, um, because the text of this book it doesn't once mention God at all. And it's one of the only books in Scripture that doesn't mention him explicitly. Um, Song of Solomon is another one. Hmm. But um, so because it doesn't mention him, um, there can be a there can be a, t- a temptation to wonder, well, how can we be sure it's faithful um, to ascribe to him the salvation of his people, right? And um, one of the things that uh, is important to see is, is that even though we don't see God referenced in this, we don't see him playing um, an overtly active role. We don't see him come, you know, you know, the clouds split, yeah, the he's sky not split stopping open. the sun and yeah, yeah, hurling yeah. stones Yeah, at there's his nothing that's um, overtly miraculous or, um, or anything like that that's happening. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's not at work mm-hmm. in it. Um, I mean, he is always, and he has been from the beginning, he has been um, all about making a people for himself for his glory. Yeah. Um, and so part of that means that he was going to protect them from threats to hit that would hinder his plans. Yes. Um, because nothing is going to stop his plans. And so without his, so just real practically, if his people were were to be eradicated, which was the plan that Haman had made, mm-hmm. um, because he was sl- because he felt slighted. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Just as a side note, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's also the that's also it, the. It, I mean, I think it communicates a lot about the the depravity of people. Absolutely. I mean, that says so much about the human heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we can get into that a little more in terms of the questions that we should be asking ourselves mm-hmm. too. But, um, but if um, if he had not been at work protecting his people, there would have been no no one through whom the Messiah would come because there'd be no people for the Messiah to come to or from. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, and so we have to remember that Haman's desire to destroy the, the, the Jewish people was directly opposed to God's will. It was, it was, he set himself up as an enemy of God. Mm-hmm. And so God uh, raised up Esther basically to counter this threat. And so, and everything that happens there when you when you see all of those things, when you put this book in the context of Scripture, um, and understanding the character of God, you can't not see Him at work yeah, through absolutely. it. So, um, a huge question that we have to ask, and this is the most important question that we that we can ask of every book, and it's the question that we need to ask of every book is how does this point us to Jesus? Because yeah. every text 
points us to him in some way, whether it's an explicit prophecy, it's, um, you know, it's an example, it's um, showing us our need for him, um, or, uh, you know, these kind of things. Yeah. So one of the biggest is the example of Esther herself. Um, mm-hmm. She has a humble beginning. She's a member of a people in bondage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes from that position to a position of prominence. She's exalted to becoming the queen. Yeah. Uh, similarly, Jesus in his humanity, he came from humble circumstances, the eldest son of a relatively poor family, and he became not just the king, but the king of kings. He conquered sin and death. Right. That's right. That's right. And so um, so that's one of the ways that Esther um, points us to Jesus in her in herself. Um, another way is really in how she acts as an intercessor for her people, meaning mm-hmm. that she's acting on their behalf. So she approaches right. um, uh, Ahasuerus and um, risks death mm-hmm. by approaching him uninvited. And she does this to save the Jews from Haman's schemes. And God gives her favor in that, and she's successful. And it's Haman who dies um, on a gallows, like in the gallows that he was building For to hang Mordecai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and wild. It, one thing that I also think is really interesting to think about with this book is the idea that um, I, I think for me as a kid, the the threat to Esther's life mm-hmm. didn't feel like, well, it's she's the queen. She's the wife of the king. Why would right. he why would he kill her for coming in? But you have to keep it in context. Vashti refused to come in when she was called and she was basically exiled and removed from her um, position from her position. So there's this very like you have to keep in mind like this is a situation where if if for whatever reason he doesn't want her there and she shows up that's basically the same thing Queen Vashti did. Like yeah. she's probably going to be exiled or worse. Right. Um, so there, there really, truly is this threat to to Esther. It's not just like, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like this is not an exaggeration in any right. way. Like this was a life or death moment. Um, and similarly, uh, Jesus doesn't just risk death, though. He actually dies mm-hmm. in order to rescue his people from sin. And we see that he that he accomplishes this. Um, by him rising again from the dead in victory over sin and death. And, um, and I mean, that's, that's an incredible thing Yeah, that he, that he went and he took um, the punishment that was deserved for our sin, like that we deserve for our sin and, um, and took that upon himself, died the way that we were supposed to die and rose again so that we can live. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, So let's uh, let's switch gears here real quick. So think about uh, think about Esther from the perspective of of an adult group leader or someone in student or kids ministry um, like both of us um, or someone engaging in one on one discipleship. What kind of guidance can we offer them in working through this passage with someone else? Yeah. So. we touched on it a little bit earlier with the idea of not conflating Esther's experience to a beauty pageant, but it's important not to say something that the text doesn't say. Um, we we don't know what happened to her, um, but we shouldn't 
we shouldn't make it sound as if it was really fun and that it was completely voluntary. Like it's possible that Esther wanted to submit herself for it, but whether or not she did, she wouldn't have had a choice. Right. Um, so that's important. But then the other side of that, it's, it's okay to read into this as we talked about. It's, it's okay to read into this God's character and his will for his people, because even though the actual text of Esther doesn't necessarily say that mm-hmm. the, the, um, overwhelming evidence of scripture shows that this was God working out his plan through the lives of his people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And on, on that note, um, we do have to remember that God's, uh, God's providence is, is seen all throughout this book, his, his unseen hand, if, if you want to use that, that terminology. And so that helps us to remember that God is still working uh, providentially to accomplish his purposes today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to hold on to that, especially in very difficult circumstances. Um, and that means that, that um, we need to encourage one another that trusting in God in this particular way, trusting that God is actually at work, that he is doing what he says that he is going to do, that he is acting in accordance with his character as described in Scripture, um, that doing so isn't naive and that we, that as 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 Christians, that we we are not subject to some sort of blind faith or naive optimism or anything like this. Um, we know um, uh, we have hope because our hope is built on our knowledge of God's character and his goodness. So we know that he's good. We know that he's doing good. We know that he's in control of all things. And we, and we know that he is always at work um, bringing about his plans to their intended goal, which is a renewed and restored creation free of sickness, sin, and death where he and his people will live together forever. So, Sam, that uh, is a good place, I think, to to wrap us up for today. So thanks for for joining me and talking about Esther today. This was awesome. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. Thanks.